I'm going to talk about salvation today. Good thing to talk about. I'm going to talk about being properly saved. <laughs> you guys didn't sound very good about that. You're like, oh no, maybe I'm not saved. I better get, the, get your check boxes out. No, no, no. You know, I think sometimes we have ideas of what Christians are. Um, what we should do, what we should act like, how we should be, right? We sometimes think that, you know, get up, make sure you do study first thing in the morning. People always told me that. And I was like, no. Like, I, I tried to do that, and I felt like a failure. I'm not going to get up and do study. God wakes me up at 2 o'clock in the morning to do study. That's how we work. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to quit trying to do this, like, first thing in the morning. God's like, I never left you. You don't have to get me back in the morning. If you do morning study, great. That's what God has for you. But I'm saying sometimes we put these things like, got to do study in the first time in the morning. You know, get the Holy Spirit with you. I'm like, I didn't know. Did he leave? You know, do I have bad morning breath? Does he leave in the morning? I got to get him back. I don't know what's going on. But we have these ideas that this is how it has to be to be a Christian. This is how it has to be to be a believer. You know, read so many chapters in the Bible, and you have to do all these devotionals. You have to come to church all the time, and you have to do altar calls, and you have to have a worship band, and you have to have all this stuff. That's what makes you a Christian. But none of that actually has anything to do with salvation. No matter how much you read the Bible or you don't read it, actually that doesn't even make you a believer or not. It doesn't make you saved. And of course, all of those things are good things. We associate them with Christ because they are aspects, right? And they help us bring community. But none of those things actually do anything for salvation. Did you know that? You could read the whole Bible and not be saved. You could get up every single morning and do your devotional and not be saved. You can come to church 50, well, we can only do 51 because we only do 51 weeks a year here, but 52 weeks a year in some places and still not be saved. You can be the worship leader of a band and not know Jesus. You can listen to, you know, we think serving, if I serve everywhere, that qualifies me. It doesn't. If I only listen to Christian music, then I must be a Christian. I got Christian TV. Sometimes that makes me think, oh, maybe I... I only spend time with Christians. Maybe. But none of those things actually have anything to do with salvation. None of them. That's really, y'all look like this is not very, this is not very encouraging. No, it's not. You know, we hear the things, you know, it's really not. Like, because we're thinking, oh, wait, I do all these things. I've got to check my salvation. We're, you know what? There is, there is something that is how we can be properly saved, but it's none of those things. Give until it hurts. You ever heard that? I'm like, I never saw that in the Bible. You know, follow, we've got to follow, hurry up and follow this prophetic voice and this, you know, person, this influencer, this Christian influencer, you know, they wear the right clothes and they have a big, big following and all that, and you know what? They're popular. So people know I'm a Christian. I mean, sometimes none of those things qualify us to be saved. Not one of them. And we don't even know if some of the people have the biggest followings that are leading people to Christ, if they even know Christ. Because that's a hard issue that we go one-on-one, -on -one, right? We can't judge, like, you're saved. I see that you went to church. You know, you only went to church 39 weeks this year. You aren't going to heaven. <laughs> we can't judge that, right? But we do. 
We do. None of those things qualify us to be saved. All those things are good and they can accentuate your walk with Christ, right? When you go to church, how many of you guys have got a word and you're like, God was speaking to me today, I'm glad I went. Yes, it's good. How many of you guys, when you get up and you do maybe a morning Bible study or you do it in the evening or sometimes during the day and you're just reading your Bible and all of a sudden you're like, the Lord put this in here just for me. It should have my name in front of it. You ever read that? Yes, all of those things will accentuate your walk with Christ. Yet only Jesus, only Jesus can bring salvation. That's it. And I think we need to keep reminding ourselves with that because I think after we meet Jesus, sometimes we start walking a little bit further away and we start picking up things that he asked us, you know, he said, make those be part of your life, not your life. Jesus did a lot of things different than what we even do, right? As people, think about it. Jesus did things different. When things are rough and scary, we usually don't go and take a nap, do we? We're running around screaming, you know, sharing all our conther- you know, conspiracy theories, telling, you know, trying to get information, taking mess. Do it. I mean, when things are scary and rough, we don't be like, you know, I'm just going to lay down this boat, take a nap. Jesus did things differently. Jesus never followed the it person. He never followed the it person. He was going places no one else wanted to go. He went places no one wanted to go. He didn't want to be like, hey, everyone, you want to pay $400 for a ticket to see me? No, 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 he didn't do that. He went to see people no one wanted to see. They were not popular. I mean, you think, how did Jesus get so popular? I mean, right there we can know Jesus was the Messiah. Because you know what? No one could cancel him, could they? He'd go hang out with the worst of the worst, and all of a sudden he'd have this huge following. How does that happen? Because he was the Messiah. You know, he preached, but he maybe didn't serve the way that we serve, that we think of services. He preached the word, and, and um, he was the ultimate sacrifice, and, and people began to follow him and just hear him. He was the ultimate servant. He gave so that we wouldn't have to. That's, that's the thing. We need to, he gave so we wouldn't have to. You know, we, sh- we should serve, we should give, you know, because it brings us joy. It brings us rejoicing to our spirit because we know that his spirit is alive in us. That's the reason that we want to we serve and give and, and love and, and rejoice because our spirit rejoices because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. That is the reason we rejoice. But I want you to think on this for a minute. Do you know that Jesus was the only person that ever chose to be born? None of us in this room, you know, were like, hey, mom and dad, we want to be born. No, 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 no. It just kind of happened, right? But Jesus said, you know, God's like, you know what? They have wickedness in their heart, but I love them. Could you pay the price for them? And Jesus is like, He's like, but you have to become a man. And it's not going to be very fun. And Jesus says, I still choose to be born. Sometimes if we know what's going to happen before, you know, we're like, oh, I'm not doing that again. Or I'm not going to do that. If we know what's going to happen. If you know you're going to fall down a flight of stairs, maybe you hold the handle, right? You're like, oh, man, 
I better hold the hand. You know, Jesus is like, I know what's going to happen. It's going to be terrible. And I'm still choosing that, knowing what his life on earth would entail. And the second thing he did, he also chose to die. He didn't have to. Just because he was born, God didn't say, well, you know what? You already said yes. Can't go back now. He could have went back at any moment. Do you know that? At any moment. He didn't have to follow through with that. When he was in the garden and his disciples fell asleep and chose not to pray for him and give him some support, he could have said, you know what? That's the last straw. Y'all are crazy. I tried this, you know, for three years. And every single time it just made a mess. God, take me home. They can figure it out themselves. He could have done that, but he chose. He chose to die for us. Not many people choose to die for someone. You know, parents maybe were like, I would lay my life down for my kids. You know, maybe you would. I would hope to think that I would do that for my kids. But let me read a little bit about the type of people Jesus chose to lay his life down for. Not his children, who he loves and cared for and love him. These are the type of people, if we read in Matthew 27, 27, it says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium, and they gathered the whole Roman cohort, cohort around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him as a king's robe. And they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his hand as a scepter. Kneeling before him, they ridiculed him, saying, Hail, rejoice, king of the Jews. They spat on him, and they took the reed and struck him repeatedly in the head. I'm going to stop there for a second. When I was studying this and and reading and, and asking the Lord, the Lord said, Later on, what do I call salvation? You put on what? The helmet of salvation when I saw that they were repeatedly beating Jesus in the head. And I thought, wow, there's significance there. He's saying, I'm going to be salvation. And, and after they finished ridiculing him, they stripped him of the scarlet robe and put on his own clothes and led him away to be crucified. Jesus his entire reason for coming was to ransom for people who treated him like that. When we really understand that and say, I don't like when someone just looks at me wrong. You ever go in public and you think someone's staring at you because they're just, (laughs) you know what I mean? They're just thinking. And you think that they're staring at you or thinking bad things about you, like they're talking about me, they're whispering or, or things like that. And you think, oh, they must be talking about me. I don't like them. And we get all offended at that. Someone that's just dazing off into, you know, space. And here Jesus is like, I want to go to the cross for these people. And we've all been these people. That's the thing we have to realize. We've all been these people. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give life as a ransom for many. Not the few, but for many. And we look, Jesus died for us, or you could say instead of us. There was a price tag 
for sin and someone was going to pay it. It was either us or him. You weren't going to just get away and be like, it's okay to sin. There was a price tag and someone had to pay it. And Jesus said, I'll pay it because he loves us and didn't want us to pay for our own sin. We probably couldn't have bared it. We probably couldn't have bared it. You know, at the cross, he took it all on himself for you, for me, you know, for those soldiers, for the people, you know, at the, at the cross ridiculing him. Um, and, and he ransomed us, which means we were already sinners. We were already slaves. And to be able to be set free, there had to be a price paid. And we have to realize when we go and we exchange money for goods, that price was blood. Think about if we had to pay blood for everything that we got. Guess what? We'd probably buy a lot less stuff, right? But Jesus said every drop, every drop, they're worth every single drop. And he said, I will pay in blood that price for sin. And when I looked at that, I thought, even for the farmers, they used to have to sacrifice their livelihood, their flock. And he said, I don't even want you to give up one anymore because you used to have to sacrifice all the time because we just could not figure out how not to sin. But he said, I'm paying the, the price in full so it never has to come around again. And he went to the cross willingly for you, for me. He gave us the free gift of salvation. He saved us with this ransom, this remarkable gift of grace. Gave us something we didn't deserve. We did not deserve heaven. We did not deserve the goodness of the Lord. But he said, I'm going to extend this gift of grace to you. Not by what you say, not by what you do or you act. It's just a free gift bought by the blood. And, and I go further into God's word and I look and, it, and we remember the criminals at the cross. So we're going to take a look at the criminals at the cross. They never had an opportunity to do one good thing. They were already hanging on the cross, right? They couldn't get down and go make penance or anything. And this is what it says in Luke. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at Jesus saying, Oh, are you the Christ? Why don't you save yourself and us? But the other responded, rebuking the first criminal, said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly. He's saying, We're getting what we deserve. We are getting what we deserve, for we receive what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He just asked. He knew there was nothing he could do at that moment. And he just turned to Jesus and he said, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know it's the word <laughs> when it breaks you. And Jesus, 
you know, he's already went through all this abuse, this pain. He's been beaten. He's been broken. He's hanging on the cross. And Jesus still turns to this man and says, today, today. I'm like, was he the first one that got to go with Jesus into heaven? Because he said, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, like, I would be like, I was first in line. All those people asking if they were first or last. I mean, really, that was the first one. Jesus said, you're going to be with me, wasn't it? He couldn't have done anything. He didn't even have a moment to do one good thing in his life. Being properly saved has nothing to, you know, is nothing you have done. Jesus alone, he already did it all. He did it all. He went to hell. He paid the ransom for the keys to your prison door. We all have some different prisons that we like to live in. And he said, I took them all. I took, it doesn't say I took the key of hell. It does it. It says I took the keys That means anything the enemy comes at you with, Jesus already paid for. Jesus already paid for. He went to hell. He took the keys. You know, he opened the prison doors. He rose from the dead. That's amazing. He ascended, and then he ascended into heaven, leaving us with the Holy Spirit so that we could walk with him daily, momentarily, every moment of our lives. Think about when you first fall in love, you want to be with that person every second, right? I remember we were first married, and I was like, he had to go on an overnight. I'm like, no, you can't be alone. And Jesus is like, you're never, you know, and I look, that's our first love. Jesus is like, you are never going to be away from me, and you're never going to want to. You're never going to want to. And it's so easy. All we have to do is accept it. That's, that's all he asked of us. He's like, Here's the gift. All you have to do is say, yep, I want it. That's it. That's the only thing we actually have to do. Not through works, but just acknowledging Jesus. Acknowledging Jesus. In Romans 10, 9, it says, because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, his majesty, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we need to acknowledge understand and believe and as I was looking at that I said Lord in there you said you know we have to acknowledge we have to have some understanding and we have to believe and I'm like you made us a body a soul and a spirit God did not just want our spirit he said I want your soul and I even want your body to be restored and renewed Because you have to acknowledge, what are we putting? We have to acknowledge and to speak and confess. We have to make our flesh submit, don't we? And it has to do something. It says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And to have understanding, that means recognizing with your mind and your thought that, you know, all power comes through him. You know, all authority comes through him. We know that God, you know, is is mighty and powerful. So there's our soul, getting our soul to line up. And then, of course, our spirit is where it says, you know, believe in your heart, which is your spirit, which is the piece that is forever going to, guess what? Your spirit is either going to connect, you're gonna, your soul is either going to connect with your spirit in heaven or it's going to connect with your spirit in, in, in hell. Your spirit is everlasting. It's going to continue on. But we can choose where we're going to spend eternity. 
So by doing that, we're lining up our body, our soul, and our spirit um, together. And, and we all know John 3.16, right? It says, For God so greatly loved the world and dearly prized the world that he even gave. He, that means he already gave so much. He already, I mean, he gave us the world and everything in it. It says that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. We can't believe in him as the Messiah. We can't believe in him as just the Lord. We can't believe in him as just God's son. We can't believe in him as just the truth. We can't believe in him, you know, as the, just the second Adam. We have to believe in him as the Savior. As the Savior. Then we'll have eternal life. Proper salvation is not how we looked or act, but just what Jesus did. And, but the thing is, we think, well, I mean, when you get saved, should we just keep acting the same way? I'm not saying that. But that happens naturally because the thing is, once you get saved and you have Jesus alive and well in you, your actions, your ideas, your thoughts, your desires, all begin to mold to look more like Jesus. The more time you spend talking with him and building that relationship, the more you look like him. It becomes natural if you're thinking, well, I know people that are natural. Well, maybe they haven't really met Jesus because he is so attractive and so magnetic that we can't stop ourselves from following him. I mean, that is how you know. Many a times I've asked the Lord, I'm like, how can someone that served you for a decade all of a sudden turn around and, and be like, I don't believe in God, I don't believe anything. And I thought, they must, they must have met religion and not you, Jesus. Because there's no way. There's no way. If you meet him, if you meet him, you can't turn away. There's no like, well, I'm going to go to church for a decade and then I'm going to just, you know, go live like a heathen. It doesn't work. Because <laughs> you know what? If you met Jesus, he's following you. Everywhere you go, he's like, still here, still here, still here. He's so magnetic. The choice is easy because, you know what, Jesus did all the hard work, didn't he? We didn't have to do anything hard. We just have to acknowledge. He did all of the hard work at the cross, in the grave, and when he rose. Those were the hard things. If, you weren't, if you're wondering what the hard things with, the things you're going through are not the hard things. Going to the cross was the hard thing. That was the hardest thing that will ever be on this earth, right? Does anyone think that something worse could happen to you than what Jesus went through? No, because you know what? That is all sin together. He did all of the hard things. We just need to take a moment and assess our hearts and be like, okay, Jesus, are you living here? Are you living here? Or are just the thought of you, ideas of you living here, or are you living here? I know a lot of people who've answered altar calls numerous times in their life. (laughs) 
oh, there's an altar call. I just, I just want fire insurance. I don't even know who this is, but I just, everyone's telling me to come up here, and I just feel in the emotion. I watched that happen so many times, and then I watched people's lives go right back, and I thought, Lord, let me meet them and introduce them to, introduce them to you because they didn't get the opportunity. They got the opportunity to feel the hype and the emotion, but did they meet you? Because your life really can't go on without him once you meet him. So we need to take a moment, assess our hearts, and even think about the people around us that we're meeting. That, you know, maybe go to church with us. Maybe, you know, are in our families that we're thinking, you know, I'm wondering if they've even really met Jesus. Because you might be the Jesus, you might be walking in the room with him for them. But sometimes we assume people have already met him because they do all the things. They go to church. They carry a Bible around. They can quote some scripture. And we think, oh, they must, be, they must know Jesus. Or they know about Jesus. There's a big difference. The devil knows about Jesus, doesn't he? <laughs> he was looking out for him. He knew where he was every moment because he knew Jesus was coming for him. When there's a threat after you, you're very aware. So knowing about Jesus is different than knowing Jesus. So we just need to take a moment, assess in our heart, is Jesus really live there? Does he actually have dominion? Does he actually have the authority to tell me yes and to tell me no? We like the yes part, the no is not so much fun. Does he have the power over your thoughts? Who chooses where your mind goes? Our actions. Do we have, you know, because really when we have Jesus in us and we do something that we shouldn't. How many of you guys feel that when you're like, I know this is wrong in this moment. Mine is usually when I'm getting mad and I'm raising my voice and just, you know, I can feel it like this is sin and it can't stay inside me because Jesus is in me. And I got to come to repentance real quick because I don't want to feel that ickiness because light and dark can't stay there. That's how you know you have Jesus because every time sin coming, he's punching that old man down like, get out of here. He's like, you don't have no place here. So if you, and I don't want to embarrass people. I don't want people, but I just, as you were thinking about that, we're going to go over go over what it is to really accept Jesus. But if you're like, I don't really know. If you don't really know, then go ahead and just, go ahead and we'll walk through this together of what God says to do to really bring him alive in you. And you don't have to jump up and be like, I just accepted Jesus. I mean, if he tells you to do that, do that. Maybe it will bring someone else to the Lord. We just do what Jesus says, what the Lord says, because you being in excitement, getting saved, might bring someone else to the Lord, right? Or he might just say, you know what? I'm glad to finally meet you. Let's just walk this slowly. I got a plan and destiny for you. And maybe no one around you even knows. Does it really matter? No. It's just what matters is having Jesus live in you and listening to what the Holy Spirit says. So it's, it's just, it's that easy. It's a free gift. And maybe we've never really picked it up. We've just kind of carried it around. We just kind of carried it around with us, but we never opened it up. You know what? You don't have to go another day. 
You don't have to go another moment. You can do it right here with people knowing or peop- nobody knowing. You can go in your car and say, I didn't really like that word. It kind of made me mad because it was for me. And maybe on your way home, you're like, okay, Jesus, it's me and you. Let's do this. You know what? And then your life radically tra- changes in the car. Just pray that, you know, keep your eyes open during that moment. Pray with your eyes open if that happens. <laughs> but I have seen so many people. I've known people who went their whole life doing all of these things. And then they meet Jesus. Can I use you as an example, Dustin? Is that okay? I just, my heart, I just really feel like God is saying, um, you guys know Dustin here. He's been coming uh, he was raised in church. He has the most amazing gift to play drums. I've rarely heard someone better on the earth that can play better than him. Like, legit. Like, any of you have heard him play? Can you say amen? That's, that, that's a gift from the Lord. Um, he went to church every week. Parents were in ministry, worshiped, served, everything. And he met the church. But how, how old were you when you actually met Jesus and you realized, I haven't been walking with him? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, he went to Bible college even and didn't, had never met Jesus. And I remember when you met him, you said, you know, I've spent my whole life walking with him here, but never here. And then we baptized him in our kiddie pool. (laughs) But I thought, you know what, if that's you, if you're like, you know what, I've been doing all this because it's what I'm supposed to do. It's time to pick Jesus up and say, you know, it doesn't matter if I went this many years, you know, living this life or hiding this or whatever it is. He's saying, I want you. I need you. Your destiny is tied to not walking with him next to you, but is him living in you with the Holy Spirit. So it's easy. The first thing we have to do is confess your sins. Acknowledge that we're a sinner. We are all sinners. I mean, none of us are perfect. We are not Jesus. He comes and it's his blood. And then ask for forgiveness. Do you know that he's always willing, ready, and waiting to extend forgiveness to you? Always. It's not like, oh, I got to do, you know, we don't have to go pay, you know, a penance. We don't have to, you know, sacrifice anything. He said, all I want you to do is come acknowledge, ask for forgiveness. I'm going to extend it. And then thank him. Thank him. That's a big thing that he did. Thank him. Wow, you did this for me. And the last thing, you just accept him and begin to build a life that follows him. We begin to build a life. That's where your actions, your thoughts, your ideas, they begin to follow the way that Christ walked. You begin to walk that in, in your marriage, in, in your job, you know, with your family, um, even at church and, and at school and all these places. You begin to walk that because that becomes part of you. You have the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to pray. I know God's going to do big things because that's all he ever does. He's a big God.